our hope that uh, as you join us this morning, uh, you will find God's Spirit in you, in this place, and that uh, you will take the time to just put aside whatever it is that might be going on in your life and just open yourself up to receive whatever it might be from Him this morning. Um, those of you in the house, we do have prayer cards over here by the door. If you want to put a prayer up on the prayer tree, we certainly encourage you to do that. And as always, both the pastor and the prayer uh, prayer accounts are available to you for email. So do feel free to make yourselves, um, uh, avail yourselves of those options. That's all I've got this morning. Tracy's not with us. He is uh, down in Washington celebrating Christopher's 22nd. Which is weird because Christopher turned 22 and Karen has not been today since he was born. So I don't understand how those things work together, but God is good. Periodically, I have this. Uh, let's uh, take a moment, open a little word of prayer, and uh, then we will have praise for the kickoff. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together uh, as your people, your children, your church. I just pray this morning that you would come, you would abide in this place, you would fill this place with your spirit, you would fill each and every one of us with your spirit, and you would just make us, help us to be available to you, to be open to you, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to discern, wills to obey. And I just pray this morning, as we come to the end, that None of us leaves this place the same person we were when we arrived, but that we will be changed for having come into your presence. Come now, Father, accept our praise, accept our worship. Be our audience of one this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.
unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the rain shall come with trumpet sound. No may have enemy in him bound. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless I stand before the throne. Christ alone.
privilege it is to be able to come and praise you and worship you and learn from your word, your word in the scriptures, Lord, your word in flesh brought to us in Jesus as our Savior, your word as the spirit that dwells within us and all around us, our Lord. These are tough times for a lot of us, Lord, and we've been through pain and suffering, loss, but we have the trust and the hope in you that there is a life, a wonderful life, with you forever and ever. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Fighters down the road, it will still 
not just to obey, but to good. And so, so wherever you are now, if you are not okay, that's all right. But here's one of the things I want to warn you specifically about. When you're not okay, there is a tendency to feel, especially in the church today, there is a tendency to feel shame. I am not okay, and I should be okay, and I am ashamed that I am not okay. And so because I am ashamed of not being okay, I am going to keep it to myself. Keeping it to yourself is how you stay not okay. The enemy wants you to keep it to yourself because the second you say to somebody else, I'm not okay and I need help, you begin the journey of becoming okay. And the enemy doesn't want that. So the more you think, I should talk to somebody, I should share this with somebody, the enemy is going to, yeah, what are they going to think of you? They're going to think you are strong and powerful and wise enough to seek help. So don't let shame keep you not okay. That's one. Two, this morning specifically, uh, I'm going to be speaking about being anxious. Uh, and, and just in a larger context, I just want to make a distinction because it's going to be uh, especially important to understand this as I move through the message is we all, in our common human experience, understand being anxious. We understand being depressed. That does not mean you understand being uh, in, in a situation where you are suffering from anxiety. You may understand what it means to be depressed, but that doesn't mean you understand what it means to suffer with depression. And, and the, those first anxious and depressed, those are momentary conditions. Those are momentary circumstances. But to suffer with anxiety and depression is an illness. And out there. If you believe anxiety and depression can be solved by prayer alone, you know what? Good on you. Please never say that out loud. Because that is not helpful. That is not useful. And in some instances, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You see, if, if you come to me and say, I've got a broken arm, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to tell you, go to the doctor. You come to me with a broken arm, I am not going to say, you look pray away. You pray hard enough, God is going to fix that broken arm for you. You know, you will. He will. It'll get fixed, but not in a good way. And it's going 
people in this world bring healing. Some, uh, the scripture tells us, can do this supernaturally. Others spend a lot of years and a lot of money in medical school. Because God gives them to do that. So, if, if you come to me and you say, Because this is not something that can be dealt with by prayer alone. Go get help. If you need help, go get help. And I'll tell you this, I am not, I am not a counselor. I am not a therapist. Tracy is not a counselor. Tracy is not a therapist. You want to talk through you know, your spiritual journey? You want to talk through what God is doing in your life? Yes, let's have that conversation. You tell me you are suffering from a depression that simply will not lift? I will pray for you, and then we will find you a professional person who can help you. Because if you don't find a professional person who will help you, you stay and not okay. So, all that being said, as I progress through the message this morning, when I say anxious, we're talking about that, that anxious that is typical to our general, commonly shared human experience. That that anxious that's, that's caused by an event, that anxious that's caused by, you know, uh, a, a situation. And uh, I'm really enthusiastic to speak to you about this point because I was, and to some degree am, one of the most anxious people on the planet. But one of the greatest things I ever understood was the source of anxiety. For me, at least, it was an utter lack of control. Anxious. I tend to get anxious. The second I pull that seatbelt as tight as I can and they close the door on that little silver tube I'm in, I am anxious. Because whoever is controlling this plane is sitting up there and you see, like, they might leave the door open and you could see the guys doing their thing and they'd be having their Now I can't even see them, so I don't know if everything's okay. The door is bolted shut. I can't hear if alarms are beeping. The closest thing I have to control when I fly is watching the flight attendants. Because they will know. If something is imminently wrong in this plane in the sky, it's the flight attendants who are going to know. And if they're cool, If I see flight attendants start freaking out, which I've never seen, I don't even know what that looks like. They're trained professionals. They are probably trained not to freak out. Second, I see a flight attendant freaking out. I'm just praying for Jesus to take me home before it hurts. So, anxiety in so many ways comes down to matters of control. And we become anxious when we come to those situations where whatever control we thought we had. Not there anymore. Uh, this morning I'm going to be uh, coming to you primarily from the 20th chapter of Second Chronicles. Uh, at this particular occasion in the Bible, we are deep, deep, deep into the, the king 
Israel in Judah. Uh, you know, you had the glory days, you had the heyday, you had the, the top of the mountain, the top of the peak with David. David essentially ruled over what was amounted to as close as it can be God's kingdom on earth. And then David died, and Solomon came in, and it's like that moment when you're on the roller coaster. Roller coaster, another antique experience, because again, not in control of this thing. And, you know, this thing's been operating for years. It's perfectly safe. They inspect it every day. I can imagine 700 different ways it's not okay. And that's what gets me every time. But, but Solomon comes in, and that's where, that's where that first part in the roller coaster starts to kind of go over. Solomon starts to depart a little bit from the full reliance on God. And then from there, we just, it is... It is horrible. It is horrible. It is a non-stop rush to the bottom to see just how bad things can get for Israel and Judah. So, in the 20th chapter of Chronicles, uh, we are looking at King Jehoshaphat. Yes. Jehoshaphat was a guy who did stuff besides jump. And so, we're in this sort of, you have these Hills and valleys, more valleys than hills. Uh, for the most part, Israel and Judah, they just they were like, how bad, how far away from God can we get? And then every time we think, okay, we're really bad, we can't possibly get worse. Another thing would come along and go, all my adult beverage of the Middle East in this day and age. And they just take it to a whole new depth. Periodically, You'll have these moments where a king, typically in Judah, comes along and says, this, this is not who God made us to be. This is not what God wants from us. It's, it's not okay that we're not okay. Let's, let's fix this. And, and so they'll, they'll try, to, try to claw back some of the, some of the depravity, some of the debauchery, some of the, the fallenness of Israel, and they try to return to that worship of God, and, and they're making good progress, but none of them get back to where, where they hope to be. Jehoshaphat's one of these good guys. He's trying, to, he's trying to turn things around as much as he's able. So starting in verse 1, after this, um, Jehoshaphat has just instituted some reforms. He's sort of reformed the Levites. He's brought some new uh, men of Israel in, uh, of Judah in to act as judges, to oversee the nation, to kind of restore the path of righteousness God intended for, for Judah. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Midianites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, and from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Jehoshaphat looked at this combined body that had aligned against him. And he's looking at what they got. He's going, okay, all these guys and all these guys, a bunch of these guys, Choose to carry the one that you 
envision, and then he becomes afraid because he looks at what he envisions is coming against him, and he looks at the only as the king, he knows what resources Judah has. He knows what their army looks like. He knows what kind of shape they're in, and he's doing the math, and he's going, "Those guys against us. This is not something we can lose, or we can win." I am, I am out of control here. I do not have. We do not have what we need to be successful in this battle. Because it's been since the last time I spoke to you. I want to share some Dallas Willard with you. Dallas Willard said, "Anxiety is anxiety when you feel anxious, particularly you as Christ followers. When you as a Christ follower." Suffer from anxiety. Anxiety is a hangover of bad habits established when you were trusting things like human approval and wealth that will certainly let us down. See, Jehoshaphat looks at the earthly resources he has and says, Those are not up to the job of reasserting control to the level I want. When we as Christ followers, we as non-Christ followers, before we ever come to Christ, we learn to trust in what we have. We learn to put our reliance in things and material goods and money. You know what? If I can have enough money, if I can have enough big, big enough savings account, if I can have enough in my emergency fund, if I can have enough in my retirement account, if, if I can have enough wealth, if I can have enough power, if I can have enough friends, if I can have enough whatever it is that for you provides security, if I can have enough of that, I will be okay. And we train ourselves into thinking like this. If I can just have enough fill in the blank, everything will be okay. Until that moment where we run up against something that exceeds our fill in the blank, and then we get anxious. And then as Christ followers, when we come to that point in our life where we follow Christ, we're, we're torn because we have developed this habit, this system, this dependency on the things of the world to carry us through difficult situations. But we are following a God who says, To the one you do have who has everything. 
was about to free to his best man. And he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat is wise enough to go, okay, this is a big deal. This is not this is not a me thing. This is a we thing. So I'm gonna need everybody in the entire country to stop eating. Okay, how bad do things have to be in the country if the leader of the country says Jehoshaphat's going, I did the math. Math does not work in our favor. I did the new math. I messed it up. I got somebody who can do the new math. Things still don't work out in our favor. So we're going to look to God. God is going to handle this. But I need all of you in this behavior. See, see, when you come into those anxious situations, we come in those situations where we don't have control. We come in those situations where we're lost and afraid and alone and we don't know what to do. That is when you stop being a leader. You get to be part of the leader. Because that's when you get out of my control. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God is saying, let's, let's make a deal. Let's have a little transaction. You come to me, and you pour it all out. You just, every single thing you're worried about, you're scared of every doubt you have, every concern you have, Every way you see what's in front of you going wrong, you just pour that all out in all your heart to me. And I will take all of that. And in exchange, I will give you peace. You see, it's when we come to that point where we go, God, I can't do this. When we come to that point where we recognize, I can't do this, I don't have the control, I don't have the resources, I don't have the anything, I am too stupid to be a man, as it says in the Proverbs. But I'm smart enough to know I can give it all to God. And it's in the giving of it to God, in earnest, heartfelt prayer and supplication, that God then enters into the equation. And not only does he take all those concerns, all those fears, all those doubts, but he opens up room for peace. It's in the giving that we go, God, I've given it all. Placed it all in your hands. I trust you will deal with this the way. And Jehoshaphat stood the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem. In the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord.
not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And cry out to me in our affliction, and you will hear Dear God, you are at the center of my kingdom, my life, and I trust, I'm trying to trust that whatever comes against me, you are bigger, you are stronger, you are more powerful, you are more capable, and whatever comes against me, you will deal with. That, that is where we need to get to. That's the beginning, the beginning of wisdom. That is the beginning of moving from okay to not be okay to okay to good. is to take it all and put it in his hands and trust. Whatever happens after you put it in his hands, he's got it. He's got you. And he is good. And whatever he does, whatever the outcome is irrelevant because you are in the hands of a good and loving God. First Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves. Come to the point when you realize you are not the deal you thought you were. Humble yourself when you realize Under the mighty hand of God. Mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God can control stuff you can't. So that at the proper time, He may exalt you. Humble yourself before God, turn everything over to Him, and He will exalt you. But at the proper time. I'm being honest with you. What that says is God's going to work everything out. God's going to exalt you. But you might have to go through some stuff first. But you're not going through it alone. He's going to be with you. His mighty hand is there over you. But you might still have to go through some stuff. It's, it's part of the deal. You have to trust that whatever things look like, however things are going, he's in control. Because if you were in control, you wouldn't be. Not 
which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against the great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Jews stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, you know, that guy, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, this son of 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 God, I got a message from God, and he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great Lord. For the battle is not yours, So, Jehoshaphat's out there. He's going, God, got all these guys. You guys we didn't deal with a long time ago because you said not to. And now, these guys we left alone are coming to message the people. And we don't know what to do. We got no control. We don't have the resources we need. There is literally, literally nothing we can do in this situation. Therefore, we cry out to you. And God sends a message back. And they sent his message
then God says, there will be a battle. So there will be a conflict between two opposing sides. You do not need to fight this battle. It's like it's like a word problem in math. It doesn't make sense. But God says, that's exactly what he says. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah, in Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, blood against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head. So God gives them a message. They take him at his word. Their response to God, to his goodness, to his greatness, to his faithfulness, is to worship him. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites, Korah, yeah, Korahites, not the Korahites, Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be. 
of the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. I'm just about there. I just want to run a quick video that I hope sort of really brings us all to a point for you. Really brings to a head what it is I want you to understand about this story. So if you could run that
trust is in God. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, uh, sorry, and when they began to, Thomas knew this, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab devoting uh, rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. There is a battle of God's people that God's people do not play a part in. Because God said, I know some stuff. I know that those guys hate those guys. And so what I'm going to do is, those guys are going to take out those guys, and then those guys, they're going to take out each other. And you're going to show up just in time to move the bodies. How good is God? And how ridiculous is this whole story? This whole full chapter of 24 verses about Judah being frightened of the battle that never occurs. They are freaked out by circumstances that never come to pass. They were pre-gaming things on their own. And that's where the
as we remind ourselves that you are good. You are watching after us. You are on our side. Father, I pray your words, your message would sink deep into our hearts and minds and we would go from this place changed, transformed, more in love with you, more reliant on you, more to life with you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. setting me a place that's calming my heart. There's a joy replacing my grief. He's the light defeating my darkness.
us with your light, consume us with your majesty, consume us with your majesty. Well, Father, will you come and open up our eyes, fill us with your heart, renew us with your Consume us with your majesty. Consume us with your majesty. Glory, honor, and power belong to you. Glory. Thank you, guys.